You're listening to Red Nation Online. Andre Zadorozny and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from a last-minute collapse that saw Santos Laguna steal all three points as Toronto FC are down 3-1. to one. The result all but ends TFC's Champions League dreams, and there are a few positives to draw on their current results and state of the club. However, we'll try our best to find positivity to an improved first half, try and look ahead towards the weeks ahead, and note there's still one or two important games left at BMO this year, just not for TFC. All in the next 40 minutes on East Side Stand Up. You know what? Let's just kick this off like we, we did on Soundcast. We're not, uh, not going to candy coat it. No, Andre, that might be a wrap on the 2012 yeah, season it. for Toronto FC. It is uh, today is August uh, the 28th. Yeah. It is the 28th, and uh, Toronto FC downed three to one. That's it. This is it. This is over. Season's officially By, uh, done. Santos Stamp. Laguna in the our old nemeses. Yeah, and I think you know what was I kind of uh, was reminiscing. Really? Yeah, I'm sure I was, you had lots of time to do that during yeah. <laughs> the game. Yeah, um, I was not so much at the game, but no. before the game, because there was reason to. That game at the Dome yeah. was almost like this. Was like you could argue that was almost like the apex. That was the ending of last season. Yeah, technically. crescendo. Yeah, Dump, and, yeah, and yeah, crescendo, and it, pretty much you you know some people you could say that's the highest point this team has has, had has hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the Dome, fifty fifty thousand plus. Never seen like you know that that you know the south end the way it was set up like that, uh, just the never the way the game kicked off, just so much excitement, and uh, it was tonight one of the great great historical moments of Toronto FC. Yeah, tonight the uh, same uh, competition announced crowd of ten thousand at BMO Field, even with CNE going on. It's generous and uh, like the kids in front of me, the eight year old TFC Academy little uh, Academy Ets. <laughs> Shouted out, we don't care. <laughs> and it's like, they voiced oh, the voice of a generation. And as soon as as soon as they scored that third goal, they're all like, "Can we go now?" <laughs> and everybody did. Yeah, and Every, everybody it poured did. out of there like a faucet. Um, but that was the backdrop. I mean, like to start this, to start kind of like lead into this game. I mean, that was uh, there was so much excitement there at the start of the season in, in March. Um, we had the home and away, and we knew. When we saw this draw, it was, it was interesting because I was also thinking about we did the podcast leading up to this game, and you know, you said of all the teams we could have drawn—Seattle, LA, or Santos Laguna—you picked you picked Santos Laguna. I did. Um, I did. And I and you know, even I even in our countdown, Steve Botcher was you know also sort of reinforced that familiarity. Mm-hmm. You know, we've already played them this year. There's no surprises. We shouldn't get caught with our pants down. Um, you know, like we did it when we went to Pumas. Right. last summer and got absolutely obliterated um, I think that's sort of what people were thinking and that's might have been your you know train of thought as well 
But, you know, they finished off their season strong. I think they made it. Did they make it to the finals of the Champions League? Santos? Yeah. Yeah. They made they made a run that I do know. Well, they obviously got past the semifinals. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <it does. laughs> I'm going to edit that shit out. That was ridiculous. Did they make it to the finals? We played them in the semis and lost. Yeah, of course they did, but they didn't win. No. No, they didn't. I might leave that in because it is kind of funny. Because it is funny. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Well, uh, humor. This is the time for humor. You know, and that's the thing is that as w- there was a moment of, of uh, you know, dark depression in like a, maybe a 30-second span there at the end of the game. <laughs> but somehow it's, you know, maybe they should. I think they should have a carnival set up outside BMO at all times. Uh, yeah. Just around the just around the outside area. When areas. you feel down, you see the, the bowling game yeah. just outside of gate one. Yeah, or just the guy, you know, guess your weight. Guess your like, weight. You're fat. Something like that just to make it. <laughs> I think he was fit. like 16 years old. Yeah, that yeah guy. just kidding. And, and this and that. But, um, yeah, I mean, like get, coming into this game, we should get into that too. Mm. Um, you know, Toronto on a pretty pretty poor run. I think they're winless in five. So diplomatic of you. Well, yeah, well, yeah no, because I have to admit, and, and we made an announcement that I, I didn't, outside of, um, no. I haven't watched all through my DVRs. I've watched the highlights. I didn't watch the Columbus game live. I didn't watch the game on the weekend live against Houston. Um, obviously read as much as I could up on it, but didn't see it firsthand. So I don't want to go into, into too depth trying to, trying to analyze, know, analyze it, those yeah. results or those performances. But it did seem like, from what I've heard, is sort of same old, same old. You know, they came away with a point. And Houston, which of, was big. Houston, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, one of those things where it's like glass half full, glass half empty. How do you see that? You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, okay, we went to Houston and earned a point. That's a good thing. But in the in the bigger picture of the season, right? They we need to be pulling. One point isn't gonna isn't gonna dig us out of the hole. But uh, but the hole is so vast and deep. I mean, it goes beyond. I mean, it, it definitely goes beyond one game or two games. We, we, I mean, this whole season has been about the bigger picture. It's been about what are we gonna do. Like we're now at, at the, the one of the lowest portions of this season. Sure, we, oh the zero and nine start was pretty low. It was very low. But this <laughs> this is now the officially this is officially the coffin, nail the, the nail coffin. on the coffin. Yeah, this is it. I mean, Toronto can't go. <laughs> <laughs> How weird is that? Yeah, that's creepy. Should you describe what just happened? We should just describe what happened. Literally, this second, wow. I, got, I got a text from someone writing nail in the coffin. Just as I was talking about that. <laughs> that is weird. Very weird. But that just shows we're all on the same plane. Yeah, we're on train of thought here. Yeah, we're not the only ones. That this, this is it. We can't, Toronto can't, Toronto's not going to go and perform some miracle in Montreal six times. They're not going to go into, into Santos. They're not going to go in, and win 5 nothing. Away from home, I mean, the only game that they could possibly win is 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 um oh, oh City Aguila, yeah, City Aguila. So we should be able to go into there, but that's it. But, but it's too but late. What does it matter? Point. Mathematically, yeah. it's no. We needed to win at home. No, to get through, you have to you have to win. You have to win those. You have to win away games. I mean, with the three with the three team group, it really is. And they've um, made it, it really extremely difficult. Yeah, to do anything in these groups. No. Oh yeah, for if you're not the top seed. In uh, in this new format, you know yeah. the B, the pot B, and the pot C team are in a really tough. They're in a really uphill battle because, um, you know, you're going to be facing, the, well, obviously the Mexican teams, and there's no sort of buffer between between them and you sneaking in the back door. Right. right. Um, kind of a the, wild card. Yeah, and you so, know it's funny because even when we said that, I was like, I want the Galaxy, but even now the Galaxy are are heating up mm. and starting to look really good, and Seattle's on fire as well. We yeah. were 
we would have been screwed pretty much across the board. Um, whoever we'd been, who would drawn this in this um, round of the Champions League. But looking back, I probably would have recanted what I had said and gone for an MLS team. I mean, Toronto was so inconsistent that they learned nothing. And we will go on. Well, obviously, we'll talk about the game in in, in more depth, but we'll get to the second half sooner than later. Yeah. But it, it just showed that Toronto really doesn't have the panache and and strength all round to pull out a win in the in the toughest of situations. Yeah. I mean, that's tonight. I think we saw, as as we do roll into it. I mean, the first thing I think we would have thought in knowing this team already is that there is going to be a gap in quality, uh, a gap in technical ability, and we saw that uh, early going. I mean, Toronto has a couple players I think that stand out. That uh, you know, obviously with Frings, um, Darren O'D is is I think he's still sort of on the cusp. I mean, he shows he, he carries himself well. Um, but I still don't think we've seen enough of him no, to, to come to a conclusion. Game. Yeah, yeah. I think Hasley is good, and like Hasley's got the. Quality. I like that O'Day. I like that O'Day. I think he's he shows strength. You're right. I think it's going to take him a little while, and next season, if he's still with us, um, perhaps we'll see his leadership quality. And Hasley, that article that was written on on uh, on Red Nation. Um, about how Hasley is very important to the team and now is the new face of of TFC. I have yet to see that. I, have, I mean, he got taken out in the, after the first half, perhaps nursing an injury. Um, but I think Torsten Frank still is the, the, the runner of this team. And Hasley really needs to show... I mean, he's a good player. Don't, I mean, let's, let's be honest, but I need to see more of him. Yeah. Well, I think I, I would... If we were just to stay on that for a second, I would argue... Um, right now, and I've said this before, that Eric Hasley is more of a plug than a piece. Um, and it's, it's now, we, I think the team needs to decide, well, they'll need to decide, you know, come end of it, uh, October, um, if they intend on making him a piece of this puzzle. That's what I'm getting at, a piece of a plug. Or is he just a plug, you know, he's plugging a hole, which is lo- the loss of Coverman's. Um, or if they, if they intend for him to stick around. If they're smart, them. they'll keep him. I think that's probably a good idea, to be honest. They're gonna have to cut. They're gonna have to get rid of one or the other, right? Coverman's is, Coverman's is. And that's a bad injury, and yeah, it is. And it's like you know what? It's it's he's gonna uh, be a shot of himself when he comes back, if he comes back. Right. And they should cut him now. Maybe bad. Maybe it'd be bad for him so quickly after it would an injury. Be. It'd so be very for, bad while well, he's still healing. <laughs> <laughs> Make the call. So let's roll into this game, though. Let's get into this the opening whistle. Let's talk about what happened. Um, can we just can we just w- say one thing before? Sure. Um, why the referee was wearing green when Santos was in green? Yeah, it's a little was, strange to me. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a Concacaf, I guess. That's why not? A, why not blue, black, black purple, beige? I can't, I can't answer that. <laughs> How many other colors? I can't answer that. It's very strange. Black and white stripes. Black, black and white stripes. Anything. Yeah. Put him on fire. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Put him on fire. Yeah, this ref was a bit rough tonight. I got to say that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they would have done that. And it's maybe it's something where it's just like, maybe the referees aren't privy to what the uniform color is. And are. he's Guatemalan. Perhaps that may be a bit of a conflict of interest. Oh, you think so, huh? Uh, maybe. Why not a Swedish ref? Why not a ref from... How many Swedish refs are there in CONCACAF? <laughs> oh, no. A Swiss ref. There's none. I know you're right. There's none. They but have to pull them from their region. I guess. I guess you're right. Um, so the whistle sounds, and the well, team's playing 
They're playing all right. And not, I, think the, I think the only thing off the top when you look at the lineup that I think people people made note of was Kosich. No Kosich. Yes. Kosich resting. A Hall. Um, Freddie Hall starting Freddie in Hall. Um And, of course, we've kind of just sort of discussed his arrival on the team. Thoughts about that? Question marks. Um, maybe questions that I have, we haven't quite gotten answered because I'm still curious what his... Um, Long-term? Like and, and if he's... I, I mean, Bermuda... I'm assuming that means he's an international slot. He was, yeah. He is an international. Right? So yeah. there's just something about that. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. No, because um, that he, he, he's not a DP. No, he's not. But it's like it's, you know... Goes against th- th- them. Those are, coveted, yeah. those are coveted spots. And we traded an international spot for Hasley for next year. Mm. So if we keep Hall, we're only going to have four extra... You know, we're going to only have five next year. And one of them's being used by a backup keeper, potentially. Well... This is this is the question mark, right? Is yeah. he? I mean, Kosic. Look, Mariner goes in thinking, okay, chances of us winning the game. Let's be honest, chances of this game are probably very slim. So he plays Hall to rest Kosic for what a lost season? I, I don't understand. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, that make makes any sense. sense. And the in the last game, that means something. Sure, exactly. Really. I mean, that's yeah. really the truth. Bad form, so I think. It's, yeah, it's something that's... But we, Hall you played know, well. Listen, you know. Yeah, and, and I also would want to say that, I mean, we don't... We'll see what happens Saturday. If Kosic yeah. starts, if he doesn't, maybe maybe the, he has a knock that we don't know about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's always that possibility. But, I mean, looking forward, that's something I think I, I'm, I'll obviously be keeping an eye on, is if, if Hall keeps getting starts and if Kosic, uh, you know, keeps his number one position. Um, but you know, let's going into the first half. Uh, my first impression, you know, in those opening ten minutes, was was pretty evenly fought. Yes. And while the first half wasn't uh, eventful in terms of goals or anything major going down, I kind of felt it was one of the better first halves I've seen of just football at BMO in Completely quite a while. Completely agree. Low to the ground, a lot of uh, uh, quick passes, movement, spreading out. Uh, not getting lodged in the in the midfield, using the wingers uh, to the best of their ability. Frings breaking up the play. Frings making passes or make doing the best. He was a little slow today. Um, he's getting old, and it's beginning to show. His age is really beginning to show. Uh, in the second half, fight. I, mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but you know, fighting for the ball, getting. He's not as fast as. I mean, he's not a, generally a fast player, but I can see the knocks are catching up to him. But in that first half, he played very well. The whole team played pretty well. Yeah, um, Hall pl- had some good saves. Didn't have a lot to do until the second half, but but the team all around played played pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the one thing I think that's that kind of stood out for me as a positive, sort of in the early going of that first half, uh, was the work uh, between uh, Luis Silva and Eric Hasley. Mm-hmm. I thought in the early going, we saw some pretty positive signs that those two uh, are starting to connect a little, get in sync up top. Uh, but nothing it really came from it, and that's why it seemed like an even battle through the first half. But the one thing that started to concern me was you did start to see uh, Santos Laguna have kind of like, you know, we've used this expression like a slow boil, mm. um, or the dials slowly getting cranked where they're um, spreading the ball out a bit. And in the, in the first half, towards the end of the first half, you know, there was a succession of just like, Perfectly weighted, yeah. Like over the top balls into that far, that southwest corner, mm-hmm. over and over again. That was, um, it was impressive to see like how how they had that technique where they could just loft it over and it would just sort of drop in there uh, for the oncoming 
you know, which I've noticed player. tends to happen with a lot of those South and Central American teams that visit. They do a lot of that, and they do it well. Yeah. Whereas when Toronto tries to do it, they do it poorly, and it costs them. Yeah, and they just turn over the ball. Um, but fortunately, I mean, we got out of that first half. Well, Santos didn't really not a lot in that first half. They looked, they were getting to the to the Santos. Santos would get up into the attacking third, and and then a lot of loft loft balls over the net. Um, they were doing something interesting, which seemed to be from from I guess from practice, is taking corner. They took I think one or two corners would be taken, but shot outside of the box, and then headed in. Um, a couple of times I saw that, but they were trying different things. I felt it, it, maybe it's um, maybe it's them being cocky. Or, or um, they felt they had the time and like the slow boil. Let's try different things in the beginning, see if they work against Toronto. Toronto's obviously the weaker side. Yeah. So let's see what happens. And it didn't work. And then they just went full throttle. The second yeah. Half. You know what? And this, if you think about that, you know, a team like Santos Laguna, you know, you go into a place like Toronto, you go into a place like Montreal, you go into a place anywhere probably, and even Seattle. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could probably lose that game, but still win. At home. A head-to-head battle at home. Yeah. You you still know that it's like, you know what, if we just come out here with a draw, we're good because mm-hmm. we're going to bring it back to Torreon and we'll likely beat this team 6-1 to one yeah. or 4-2 to two mm-hmm. or 5-1. to one. Right. Um, That's probably a nice piece of confidence to have mm-hmm. uh, and a side where they're like, you know what, we can, we can take our time in this game and get where we need to be at the end of 90 minutes. Huh. Um, that's what we saw. Yeah. I mean, early on in the... The one, the one thing that we saw in the, uh, you know, at the half, and I sort of made note of it when we were coming, it looked like Eric Hasley might have taken a knock um, at, towards the end of the first half where, like, he kind of got clipped and spun a bit. And he was hold- from where I was sitting, he was holding his arm and uh, got up and was just like, what the hell was that, ref? And the ref didn't care, of course. And then at half, we see a substitution. Off goes Hasley. Hasley. On comes... You know, I think everyone probably had a collective, that's a bizarre substitution. Everybody did. Um, And even more so when he missed a golden opportunity to tie the game. To tie the game. But of course, we got scored on before before we had a chance for that to happen. Of course. Um, Which was just, uh, you know, a clinical finish. Um, and great was, and great angle. They love they love playing off Hall's right, uh, his left side, our right. Yeah. Um, there were there were a couple of times when they went and took some nice shots, some wide, but uh, that one hit it right on the right on the nail on the head. Yeah, and there wasn't there wasn't much. I mean, they, that was the thing was that you could see them working this. You know, they worked these really nice give and goes in tight spaces, right along like the eighteen yard Definitely. box, and and they have the they've set it up where they just like slotted that ball in and the guy that's cutting through has two options he can either try to put it on goal himself or he just slots it across the goal mouth to you know two on running players and we saw that in the first half where they did that and the guy just went right through his legs yeah um they did this time and time again but this time i think it was um i think his name was uh darwin Quintero. i think that was number the number three was that that was him and uh he just just blasted it in, just wasted no time and put it in the go- in the back of the net, and there you're down you're down one nothing, and then and then you noted uh, Ameriqua yeah. had a golden opportunity on the other end where the ball Weedman 
yeah. you know, the, the target of much uh, criticism in the crowd, I find. And he well, slotted a nice ball across the goal mouth that <laughs> he banged it off the outside of the post. Outside of the post. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was very unbelievable. And it was on our side where we were watching, I was watching the game and shock, complete shock. I mean, we had to wonder if Hasley would have popped that in. You know, maybe and he's not as fast as a Miroquois. But well, I think he's probably got better feet. Yeah. Like, he might be a better runner. And he's I, a little more of a veteran, right? And, yeah. And maybe he could have done a little something different and didn't panic. Yeah. And then one thing I had to make note of was that at, the, at around the 60th minute, you know, uh, you know, Hall hadn't been too busy during the game. And even myself sort of uh, sitting on the fence with, with him, you know, do I, is this, you know, am I, am I feeling this keeper? Am I mm-hmm. not? What kind of game he's having? He's, he's knocked a few balls that just straight out of touch off distribution. Um, and then there was a play where Santos had a pretty nice chance on goal. It looked like it was Hercules Gomez who tried to head it in there. And when he went down, he stayed down. Yeah. Boy, did he stay down from, I guess the ball hit him in the head. Yeah. It hurt really bad. And uh, Hall just goes over and starts giving him an earful. Yeah. And oh, lo and behold, he's fine. He just pops up. Springs oh, that's classic. Up. Why are you talking classic. to me like that? Yeah, you can't talk to me that way. You know who I am. What's wrong with that, man? And yeah. it was uh, right then I was like, I think I like this guy. Yeah. And he was, give it he to was them. laughing at him. Yeah, he was totally smiling laughing and at laughing at him. And Gomez, you know, he even said that in, in, the, in the last game. And he and he took that he took uh, he took the boot on the leg and he stayed right. down and he tried to make it like it was like you know he actually yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't even a hard play and and he was staying down for minutes it was ridiculous that's well, a classic tactic right they're up one nothing yeah that and, was the other thing that, that was it kill the game yeah and Complain. you know what? I will have to say I was surprised because in the f- in the first time we played them in the spring. Um, it seemed like from the opening whistle, they had set that tactic to kind of go down on everything, which I got the impression they do that as almost like a, like a stall tactic yeah. on the road so that the opposition at no point gains any momentum. Mm. Because when they were in Torreon, they did it once, but they didn't really do it at all for the rest of the game. They didn't need to. Right. That's exactly They have why. the game. Yeah. But and also tactics like Torsten Franks tries... Did you see that? It was the first half? First half. And Torsten was trying to move the ball for a free kick. And then the the the, the, uh, the uh, Santos player moves it back. And then yeah, Torsten yeah. moves it up forward. And then he moves it back. Yeah. And then he stands in front of him. He stood in front of Frings. It was, it's ridiculous. And I'm surprised the ref, I mean, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Some of the calls the ref made in the second half, very dubious, um, strange, to say the least, uh, didn't pull out his card more. Yeah. So after that play, where uh, Freddie Hall enamored us with his big smile, a big Bermudan smile, you know, not long after there, Toronto goes down, earns himself a corner, yep. brings, swings it in, ball goes up, uh, way up, and uh, the keeper can't quite get a hand of it, and there, there it is, America! Fuck yeah! What you gonna do when we come for you now? Knocks it in for the goal. Wait, that was a poor clearance by the goalie. That was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. And uh, we're tied 1-1. It wasn't a fantastic goal. No, it wasn't. He just put it on net. And, and you watch the replay, and you're like, how did that How did yeah. that get through everyone? And there was, like, really not a lot of power on it. None. It just was more just placement. Yeah. Um, when they go in, they go in. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. At that point, of course, we took it. And at that point, it's 1-1. And I have to say, feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I mean, this the way things have gone recently uh, with this team, their results... The way they've been playing in those results, too, 
uh, at that point around the 70th minute, 67th I think it was, around the 70th minute, I was like, okay, if we keep going like this, I'll be, this is not a bad result. Obviously going to Santos uh, Torreon is going to be a tough game, but, you know, it's, it's, there's still something to play for at that point. But there was still 20 minutes left to play in the Until game. Until the cat got on the pitch. <laughs> That's so true. 80, 80 on the 83rd minute. You might not have caught it on television. Now, we didn't know what it was at first, but I'm about 99% positive it was a black cat that crossed the path of Freddie Hall. Yeah. And uh, looking back, that might have been what undid the That's team. That's the catalyst. <laughs> This that is, this is that what, was the beginning of the end. This is who we have to blame now. Yeah, the cat. Feral animals running across the pitch. Mm-hmm. And looking, then they lost. He was, he was, you know what? He was just looking for a shortcut to the food building. That's right. And uh, <laughs> went, through the, went through the game, went past Freddie Hall's path. And, and as we got down to those sort of like uh, the, the 90th minute, we're saying to ourselves, okay, we're going to hold on for this draw. We're going to hold on for this draw. And... Uh, that sort of build-up that we saw from Santos Laguna all through the game, just that sort of tic-tac passing. It's like the last was it last pod? It was the one that Tim was on two ago where he said, it's almost like sometimes Toronto's tactic is just to stare at the other team. <laughs> and it, you did see it where, where they're all sort of positioned along the top of the box and Frings got sucked out. And as he got sucked out, it's like a wave of Santos Laguna players came at at all our players that were lining in a row as they, and they just went right by them. Yeah, but that's that's Toronto's fault. Toronto had no right, no right, Mariner had no right to tell them or they did it of their own volition is to sit behind, 10 behind the behind the ball rather. Like, come on. Don't have they learned anything at all? They actually sat there and before the in the second half or in the in the first half rather in the 15 uh, minute break, halftime mm-hmm. and said, "You know what, guys? We should really just go for the tie. It's it, it's asinine. They had to go for a win. They needed this win. The tie wasn't good enough. I mean, it might have been okay in the long run of things, but let's be honest, a win was everything in this game, and at home too. And to sit behind the ball and do what? And it was we were all sitting there. It was inevitability. The way Santos just notch, 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 pass, 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 pass. They were like, cool, guys, you want to give us the game? Rat. And yeah. they scored two goals in less than five minutes. Yeah. Two goals in less than two, like one minute. I mean, we were hitting extra time well, on that first. The eighty-eighth minute, I think, was the first, the second was it? goal. I had, I had marked that on the 89th, but it probably was the eighth. And then, and, and then, then, as soon as they said, you know, two minutes, two left minutes, in the they, game, scored they scored again. So technically, they scored all those goals in, in in regular time. I guess I would say. Oh well, then. <laughs> but all that right. just goes to show that they had no fear. It didn't matter to them. No, it didn't. They'll come to your house. They'll come to your front porch, and they'll knock down your door. Yeah. And it was, it was unfortunate because, you know, as we were talking about how that buildup happened, it was like, if I'm not mistaken, the center back is Philippe Aloy, the Panamanian we're going to probably see here in a couple weeks. And uh, he was pushed forward. Like, he was right up there. Like, they were going for it. Like, they, had, they were throwing bodies forward while we were pulling bodies back. And it's just, it is frustrating as, you know, someone who's, you know, as us or my, someone as myself and, you know, Steve and Tim, We've watched this team for six years, and never—I've just never seen them ever really been able to soak up pressure. But they've done it this season. I've seen them do it. I've seen them do when Mariner first started. They had sure. they bit of gumption, a bit of ambition, and they went out there. And the the certain games that they've won, 
in early games when they were winning. Remember those glory years? Those glory minutes? Those glory, yeah. Those, they the, the glory weeks. The, the glory weeks they of won, the 2012 summer. They won those games by offensive play. Yeah. And they came out and won those games solidly. They had no fear. And this, they looked... They were just like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. gotta sit but, you back. Know, there is a, that's, I mean, that's, we've kind of like thrown it out here and there in different places. When you have someone like Danny Coverman who gets hot, yeah, you start looking good yeah. offensively. That's and good when, he, when he's gone, well, there you're back to square one, right? And that's something I think a lot of people probably have started to think about and chew on is that Mariners' early results likely were more to do with the, a, with a hot striker yeah. than with anything that was being right, that was a good set point. out you, there. You made that point in the glass pod. Or pod yeah, I probably before. did. Um, and if you... Oh, but it's a good it, point. It's Solid. like, you know what, and let's, let me just throw this out. Take a hot Covermans early in the season, take him away from those games, mm. and we're talking about Aaron Vinter having some decent, decent results right. and Paul Manor having none. Like that's so what it's I think not the coach. To. Yeah, you could. There's a couple games I could think of that were really close in the beginning of the year, where if Covermans was on fire and Covermans was looking good. Well, they were playing a Miroquois by himself. That I don't see him as a player to play by himself. Well, I mean, we're short on bodies, right? Like it's who yeah, else? Why are you not gonna... three up front? Look at Johnson. Johnson was on that left side. Paul Mariner, I don't think knows how to. How he doesn't want to play Johnson because Johnson looked lost on that left front. side. No one was passing to him on our side. We we're looking at him, and he and his dribbling skills. He's he's a striker. He play him forward. He has no dribbling skills. Yeah. He lost the ball at least three or four times on that side. He had no clue. Yeah. Give him a ball. Let him shoot. Sure. Don't put him on the left. Well, you know he do. I or, find, in, especially as we know from this tournament, it's like giving the ball centrally is one place is good. Give him a ball in the air. You know, headed in. Mm-hmm. I mean, he scored. And we were not. Wasn't that what was happening in this game in the second half? There was nobody in the air. Yeah. It was very strange. Every time there was a cross, a decent cross by or a free kick from 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 uh, from Frings. Yeah. Nobody was up. Yeah. It was all green. Well, I mean, the game pretty much wrapped up, like we said, at that that second goal. But it, well, it really wrapped up on the third one there. Um, People just true. poured out of there. Yeah. And it was it a lot was of a t- angry people yelling. Well, the- it was, you know what? Yeah. I mean, I I was actually surprised that Jeremy Hall wasn't isolated more during that game. And I mean, at that point, it's still two one, so Toronto's like coming back. But I I'd have to watch it again. But my when I first saw that play and saw him following the ball with his back turned to the mm. guy that's going in yeah. behind him, like it was just no recognition of the play around him. I thought just something about that. I mean, he drifted so far in centrally. To me, that just something about well, that just didn't. Could it seem be right. that he just lost all hope at that point? Well, I mean, if I if I, look, made out of if I look at the performance of the season, judgment. if I look at the performance of the season, I mean, it's more likely that he's just a terrible right back. <laughs> I mean, he's I think he's a decent yeah. midfielder. Like yeah. he's, he's got great pace and he's been he's been good in those. But I mean, as a right back, I'm sorry, he's atrocious. Well, who was on that back line tonight that we could say played very well? That played very well. I would say Morgan. Morgan did okay, had a good game. but I mean, he had his trouble. Like, he had moments where he was doing well against. I think again, it was uh, Dorman Cantera. Uh, but you know, he but, he did score that goal on that side. Yeah, you know, the opening goal on that side. But he he battled. He battled. You know, I thought it was a po- overall positive performance for him. But you could still see he's still learning, man. And this was a really good team that kind of like really put him to work. Sometimes that backline surprised me. Yeah, tracking back, making some really. Decent saves in the box. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that could be uh, O'Day's, O'Day's work. Right? Yeah, and I and I should say, I do want to say, at the end of the game, I kind of felt bad for uh, 
for Freddie Hall because down the stretch there, yeah, he made too. some really clutch saves. He had a decent game. Um, there was a couple really nice ones I know that were. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he did a fully outstretched. Uh, Two of them. Yeah, and one where it's like they had a nice one bending shot that yeah. he just tipped over. That, was, that was a, it was a sure goal, yeah. yeah. Um, and for the just that breakdown at the end, you know, those are the kind of games where I actually you actually feel for the keeper because he did his job, he did his work, did right? His, but that's classic TFC, man. Yeah, they're, they're pulling out all the old classics tonight. <laughs> what was, what's the expression? Some say the classics never, never die. die. Yeah, this uh, was one of them. Yeah, um, a must-win game and then just shit the bed. Yeah. Um, so, so that's it. Yeah, no, but we, hey, what about some sights and sounds? <laughs> no, 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 I meant that's it on the that's game. That's it on the game, but, you know, like Lots I said. Lots of sights and sounds. We finished, we finished the game. Of course, as people may have heard by this point, new, so- new song in the stands. <laughs> new song in the stands. Section Quincy, 110. When Quincy Ameriqua comes on, we're going to hear Ameriqua. Now, if anyone knows the rest of that song off the top of their head, we'll try to, we'll try to slide that in. Maybe we just didn't know. Um, but there was a lot of I thought there was a lot of uh, a lot of action a lot of, a lot of action well it's just, uh, my first sights and sound is more of a beef with Groupon I mean Groupon Groupon you know your you know your team or anybody's in trouble like the public enemy tickets went on sale on Groupon I mean you got issues right they've been on Groupon most of the year right TFC yeah yeah oh yeah it's sad so what happens is the X is that it gets a you get a mix so in a, in a weekend game for a lot of the regulars, especially in 110, which is a supporter section, and 109 next to the south side, we had a mix of, of people that wanted us to sit down. But these are people that don't know that it's a supporter section. So we called up the porter, we already called up security, and everybody moved. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. You know, if anything of this season, you gotta support the supporters. And those people that come in week after week, a lot still have, you know, season tickets. Those, that's your bread and butter. Yeah. The 20 of them that were there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you want to sing and chant. Yeah. That was my one sets of sounds. Yeah. The second one was this amazing shirt jersey that I saw. <laughs> it was a De Rosario jersey, but had a huge white X over his name and number. <laughs> I thought that was pretty rad. Yeah. That's funny. Very cool. Like, it's just like, I don't know. Why not just not wear that shirt anymore? No, but it was political statement. Oh. It was a political statement. Excuse me. He didn't give a shit. Like, he can't stand... He, he He's a traitor. He'd rather wear... You know what? I'm sure it's a... Did it say Toronto FC on the front? Yeah, it was a jersey. Oh, it was a jersey. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a t-shirt. No, it was, it was a jersey. So, he's, so that's... You know what? There is a statement there. I, I'd rather wear this shirt with an X on the back than not at all. Than not at all. It's not about the player. It's about the badge. Right. <laughs> the crest. And then my only other really sights and sounds was uh, <laughs> these... You know what? It's, this is kind of a good thing. This is like sort of a positive thing. I pulled this. There was a group of like, like I said, twenty-eight year old, not twenty-eight, but twenty in number, <laughs> eight-year-old kids. They were like, and they had little like TFC Academy jackets on, so maybe like they're like the junior kids that do like camps and stuff like that. And of course, you know, you get these kids, and they're all eating chocolate and stuff, and within ten minutes, they're just like all googly-eyed yeah. and going insane. Hi. But. You're listening to them kind of chit-chat, and when they were watching the game, they're like, that's Eckersley, and like, that's Hasley, and like, I like Hasley, and it's like, no, I like, I like Johnson, and all these like eight-year-old kids actually knew the lineup, the starting lineup for Toronto FC, and it was like, oh, you know, if there's like a little something, little something to take from like a terrible season or just like a terrible, terribly run organization, 
and we talk about the imprint they make on the on on the city and the youth and hopefully like making a mark in terms of growing the sport it was kind of interesting because I, th- I would have thought the only player that a lot of like little kids really would have identified with in Toronto over the last six years would have been maybe Dicchio mm-hmm. and Di Rosario. Mm-hmm. Um, but for them to be just calling out Richard Eckersley or Eric Hasley, who just got here like a couple weeks ago, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. So Well, that reminds me of when we went to the national team game and um, it was against Honduras and... Uh, Coovermans was behind us, sitting in yeah. the south side with, uh, with his Dunfield. buddy there, Terry Dunfield. And then after the game, they were swarmed. Coovermans was swarmed for autographs, and that shocked me. By little me. kids. By little kids. By kids, no, you know, seven to ten years old. And I was just like, wow. I had no idea. Maybe I'm so naive. I, I think only old Kerbenjani men watch football. Yeah. But I'm. That's great. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. It's a good point. That maybe that maybe the future of Toronto is in twenty five years. Yeah, there's little uh, like you know what is part of it now that kind of makes me sad. It was like I was like that kid following the Leafs when I was a kid. Oh yeah, really damaged me growing up. (laughs) But anyways, yeah. So 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 now what? Well, but (laughs) now what, Spark? Well, where do we go from here? We uh, us, well, hey, hey, us as supporters, we have the rest of the rest of the summer off, the rest oh. of the fall off. We can take it easy and just wow. enjoy it. You know, I, I think that how many sh- more months of the season? But you know what? That should be. Listen, I think even though it was a, this was a terrible result, you know, we were pretty depressed. Um, we find these little nuggets to kind of mm-hmm. keep the podcast light and at least smile and laugh yeah. and joke and stuff like that. And I think that should maybe be the goal for the rest of the year is not to just just vomit um, anything about how the team performs or the results or anything like that. I don't want that. I don't want it to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, I still want to have you know entertaining discussions, and I still want to laugh, and I still want to kind of, you know, I still I still still enjoy watching the game and, and finding things. Yeah, and, true. You know, I I, I want to see Ashton Morgan progress mm-hmm. and develop into a really good player, and I want to see Eric Hasley score goals, and I want to see Torsten Frings maybe get a get a drink some youthful elixir to <laughs> regain the spring in his step, things like that. Well, there's an honest love here. You won't, you know, we follow the team for a reason. Yeah. And they, they consistently disappoint. <laughs> but, you know, um, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it's like chasing that girl. Where I, I know eventually. She, I know she'll put out eventually. <laughs> if I just keep buying her things, yeah. I'll get some. Yeah. And in this case, the girl is MLSE. Yeah. She's very she, rich and powerful. Yeah, doesn't a, really need she's us. She's in a red dress. <laughs> beautiful. Um, but, 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 so. Mariner. I just want to, as a quick thing here, we're talking about the future a little bit. We're touching on it. What's next? I mean, is this... I think we've established in this podcast that maybe it's not necessarily the coach that is being poor. Like you said, it made a good point about Cooverman's being hot. And if had the roles been reversed, perhaps we'd still be seeing Aaron Winter behind the bench. But we aren't. So now, now what? I mean, we've gone through a string of losses. Tie. Uh, we're pretty much out of Champions League play. Mm-hmm. Season, I mean, Montreal is fighting for, and successful right now, fighting for that last playoff spot, yeah. beating D.C. 3-0. DeVaio scoring a gorgeous goal. I mean, here's a team that are nemesis on paper. Expansion history, side. Expansion side. I mean... You know what? I think with that win, they are the winningest expansion side. Like they, They've knocked down, because I think Seattle in their first year had 11 wins. Yeah. They had a lot more draws, yeah. so I think they'll end up, I think they finished with 47 points. 
Um, but Montreal, I think with that win, now has the most wins of an expansion team. So expansion team versus a team that's been around for six years, six, yeah. almost six seasons. So what, I mean, we, we don't have tons of time, but will Mariner keep his job, I guess is my question. I mean, probably till the end of the season. They can't fire him again. There's just nothing to play for. Well, I think it's going to, what's going to come down to, I think a lot of people speculate is what Bellin Rogers intends to do. Mm-hmm. I think the question some people probably are wondering is, will, will Bell uh, treat Toronto FC like they did CTV? And just oh, clear so, house. So. They oh, just cleared right. house. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody was safe, no matter how high up. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think the thing that worries me is that you're hearing like Tom Anselmi trying reaching out to the media to like have sit downs and so he can, you know, save his he, job. Yeah, he doesn't. Think, he doesn't deserve so, to save no. his job to be saved. No, he knows it too. I'm Look, sure deep down he. The 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 meeting the press conference he held when Vinter was fired and Mariner came on board, he made a very telling oh. statement where he he made it pretty clear that Aaron Vinter, he laid out his record, his track record, and said it's just not good enough. Well, let's flip those tables back on you, mm-hmm. Mr. Anselmi. Six seasons, and this team is now looking to be worse than they were the year they started. They're the worst team in the history of the MLS. Yeah. Have but, to be. you know, if you want to finish on year six, they could end up worse off than year one. So who's the head of this, who's the, who's the head of this club? Right. Exactly. You are. That's a great so, question. So Who is the head of this club, and why is this the head of this club not been ostracized and lambasted and put well i put think out. He, and he is now and that's why i think he's he's starting to you know he's starting to reach out and try to make this make this impassioned plea that he cares and whatever but it's you know it's too little too late but it's very interesting that this season we've talked it's bookends it started off this team was mlse or the teachers union basically sold itself right yeah sold the team in sold layman's terms sold the chairs yeah. to Bell and Rogers. Right. So now, but yet the least everything doesn't pop in for a year after. So now you have this weird season of a void. Yeah. Of it's it, it's perfect. It actually makes sense when you look at it that way. That the team is completely lost at this season because they don't have any guidance. There's nothing that's really. You're in between. You're in a transition. In a yeah. real transition. Yeah. Right. And then you're right. Bell comes in. It's like goes, why build something just to have someone come along and tear it and down? Tear it down. Later. Exactly. So it's almost. Remember, I remember. I don't know if you remember when we. But saying, you know what? The they should have closed shop and just not played <laughs> at all this season. But you know what? The good thing is, is a season this bad. Hopefully, will underline to them that the oh, people who are to Bell and Rogers that the people who are in charge of this team. I'm sure they're watching. I know they are, but I'm saying now they can say without question that the people that have that have been running this team for six years are incompetent and can't be trusted with it moving forward. Mm. Um, that has to be clear at this point. So we're expecting a purge. We're hoping a for a purge. French Revolution. We're hoping for a purge. But you know, you get worried because these guys, you know, these sort of like, you know, these business corporate yeah, types. Not, all they need is a handshake and a, and a wink and a promise of of uh-huh. a profit, and that's all it takes. No one, they don't give a shit how it happens. They just want it to happen, right? Yeah. And if that's that's what they they're promised and that's what that gets delivered, then they don't give a fuck. Why? But happens. at least we can look at the Toronto Blue Jays as a precursor to possible success well possible i mean they aren't exactly successful at this point but it's a difficult it's a difficult i mean we're not gonna do baseball but it's a difficult division sure, sure. that they're in yeah and you know it's what and, and there is there is a little bit more 
with them, there yeah. is a more legitimate reason for them to be hopeful because things are in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have one of the best farm teams in all of baseball, a lot of good prospects. Which is what Tron- the FC is trying to do with the academy, Downsview Park, that kind of stuff. They're trying to do, but they're not. We'll save that wow. for another day. They're not. Yeah. So on that note, we tried to finish it positive. We kind of spun that around, but we got we to gotta wrap it up because we're hitting like 40 minutes right now, yeah. and I want to keep it short. We got Kansas City on the weekend. Um, that podcast might be coming a little bit late because, of course, it's the Labor Day weekend. Mm. People are here, there, and everywhere, uh, myself included. But I think I still want to try to pull it together um, before the next, the next uh, Toronto FC game, which I think we have a break, and then Canada's playing on the 7th. Um, critical game. I don't know. I mean, we have a bit of reach with this podcast. So I really would say, I mean, if, if you follow Toronto FC still, I would hope you're following Canada because that's a game. That's the only game at BMO Field left playing for now that this game was lost right. today. Right. So we really need the numbers out there to make an impact against Panama and, and get us, if, you know, with a win. Canada's in a, an awesome position mm-hmm. to get through to that last round of World Cup qualifying in CONCACAF. So, one door closes, another one opens. There you go. What is it? When God shuts the door, he opens a window. <laughs> Always with that voice. Yeah, <laughs> he says it just like that. <laughs> so, um, where are we here? Andre's on the east side tonight. I am. Catch him on Twitter, or not. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> but it's all right. No worries, man. We got uh, Spark on the west side. And hopefully you'll be hearing from us next week, probably post-Kansas City and leading into the Canada game. I'm sure a lot to talk about. Perfect. All right. Catch you later. Bye. Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto C-specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at Have Your Say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through Eastside Stand Up and Red Nation Online. You, you are here.